Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. Hi, Julian. I'm Tom. We're Team Binge. We've been doing this for well over a year at this point. <laughs> Despite the letters writing us to stop, we're still going strong. <laughs> and today we're here to talk about The Two Towers. The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you all joining us. We appreciate all the love and support, all the elven cloaks that were sent to us, as well as the broken <laughs> swords. We didn't know if that was a threat or a promise of what yet is to come, um, but we appreciate it. The shards of uh, sharp metal was a little strange, but we assume it's all one sword. Correct. If you need to know where this is streaming, Tom, where is this streaming? Uh, we have been watching these currently from HBO Max. If you listen to this later, uh, who knows where it's streaming, but that's where we've been uh, watching them. And I think they've got both editions of all three movies. They've got the extended cuts and kind of the theatrical releases. And we are watching the theatrical releases because they're long enough. I watched the version where they, like when they play football games without the commercials and they cut out all the nonsense. So um, <laughs> this three-hour movie I watched in 30 minutes and... <laughs> Uh, it lost a little bit, I gotta say. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But no, this movie is three hours long. It's The Two Towers. It came out in 2002. The nice thing about these, I believe, is the first one came out in 2001, and then 2002, and then 2003. I think always mm-hmm. like a December release. Um, and I don't think I'd ever realized this. Did you know they, they shot all three movies over the course of a year? Like just back to back to back to... Back, yeah, I'm assuming. I did know that because I think like they when they signed all the like main cast on, like they had to sign on for like an extended period. It's not just like a three month kind of filming sequence. So they all lived in New Zealand. They like created like houses and villages and stuff for all the staff and crew. So it was quite the ordeal. You mean they dug out homes in the sides of hills? Um, <laughs> Correct. Years dry, for dark, cool hills. <laughs> this movie. And I don't think we talked about the first one, so I don't know what its budget was. But this budget was $90 million. As of now, it has made $950 million gross uh, over, I guess, domestic, international, all that stuff. Change. That is a lot of chunk of change. Do you rank these movies, Tom? You got The Fellowship, you got The Two Towers, you got The Return of the King. Do you have a favorite? Mm-hmm. I do feel like this is probably my favorite of the three. The really? The last one, Return of the King, has some amazing action sequences and things like that. But I think just in, in terms of story and what we're getting from the characters, now they've kind of split up the Fellowship and they're all kind of our own little journeys. I think there's definitely some like lulls in this movie where, you know, maybe like some of the Ent stuff where they're Ents, they're trees, they really slow some of like the action pieces. But um, this was definitely up there, probably my, my top movie. Okay. This is your top out of the three. I would have to say you? my favorite one is the sixth Hobbit movie. That's my oh, favorite wow. one. Oh, uh, wow. The desolation of our money? The, yeah, the desolation of the longest journey um, and money grab, <laughs> yes. But let's not go dark. Let's stay in the light, Tom. This mm-hmm. movie I would summarize as... Can I say it real quick? You can say whatever you... you want. There are no rules. <laughs> Just right. I always right. appreciate you giving me that, that uh, line. 
Um, just before we get into the heart of the movie, um, for those that didn't listen to the first episode, we did the fellowship. Main reason we are recording is because we are we chose our next show as we kind of continue to wait for Ted Lasso. If you haven't listened to that podcast, please go back and check out our catalog. Uh, but we're super stoked to return to Mid- uh, Middle Earth by watching The Rings of Power. Uh, which will be streaming from Amazon Prime. So that comes out September 2nd. We are super jazzed for it. So to get back into that world, we're rewatching these films. So go check out Fellowship if uh, recording for that if you haven't already. And let's dive into Two Towers. The Two Towers, I would summarize as the Helm's Deep movie. And <laughs> once again, Tom, you had not read any of these books, right? Well, I guess by the second movie, had you started the books since you, you no, had not read them? I just did that for... Game of Thrones. I watched the first season of that, then picked up and read the books to date for that. But this one, I think I watched all the movies, and then not until a handful of years later did I listen to the audiobooks. Got which it. I want to say, too, the audiobooks that they have online, I think I listened to maybe like an unauthorized version, but there's some amazing audiobooks of this where they do like clashing of swords and like battle noises. It's not just some guy in a corner reading it. Sure. I also do think that Andy Serkis does a audiobook of all three of these. Which oh, really? would probably be phenomenal, yeah. And Andy Serkis plays who, Tom? Smeagol or Gollum, who we finally get to see quite a bit more of in this movie as well. Asked and answered, Your Honor. <laughs> this movie is got, I guess out of all of them, maybe my favorite. I don't know that it's my favorite movie out of the three, but it certainly has my favorite like action fight scene. Mm-hmm. And apparently Helm's Deep took them like three months to shoot. And it would make sense because they had to shoot it at night for all of it. Yep. Um, (laughs) And it was, you know, like hundreds of extras and all that stuff. But the other nice thing about this movie is it's easily split up into like three stories. You've got Sam and Frodo traveling and like meeting Gollum or Smeagol. Are we going to call him Gollum? Are we going to call him Smeagol? Or are we just going to like clear our throat and that's going to establish him? Uh, we could just call him Gulligal. Okay, that's a combination of the two. I like it. I'm not <laughs> going to do that because it's confusing. Um, do you have a Gollum impression you want to want to give us? I do not. I appreciate it. I do not. I have no... <laughs> I have no interest in attempting a golem voice. He apparently said Andy Circus was trying to do like a cat coughing up a hairball whenever he did his like golem coughs. That was like his inspiration for that. So like in the book, they're like, oh, his name is Golem because that's the noise he makes when he's like doing that weird mm-hmm. like bark or throat clearing or whatever. And like they do it in the movie. And I don't hear it. Like, I just don't. Like, the no, noise he makes and then coming up with Golem from it. And I'm not saying they did a bad job. I'm just saying, like, I don't. Like, those letters are not the ones I would put in place to imitate that noise, if that makes <laughs> sense. Um, I tried, but I, I just couldn't do it. Anyway, so you have Sam, Frodo, and Golem, uh, the trio, as everyone calls mm-hmm. them. And then we have Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas. Uh, joining also the Rowan, trio, as everyone calls them. Uh, the other trio. Uh, we're going to refer to them as AGL. That's how I abbreviated it throughout the outline, because I'm not saying Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas a thousand times. Okay. They're with Rohan. And i got to be honest, of all the races, not racisms, but all the races <laughs> in these stories, Rohan is like, Rohan's my jam. 
Like, they seem to have it all together. They're like this Viking horse lord culture. (laughs) Like, the architecture's great. They live on the plains. The horses are cool. The helmets are awesome with all of the (laughs) horse hair, I'm assuming, that is flowing out of them. They're by far, you know, I know we're going to get to Gondor in the third one, but Rohan's, Rohan's my people. That's who I would join if I could. No. I couldn't agree more. And like the other uh, series we just recently did in the Outer Range, like it gave me a lot of Outer Range vibes where it's just these beautiful open plains, uh, a lot of awesome horse riding, riding in sequences, um, and then the beautiful like snowy mountains way right. in the distance. Right. And then the last storyline, which I'm not going to tip my hand here, but it's Pippin, Mary, and the Ents dealing with Isengard. And I'm not saying we spent too much time with the third trio, <laughs> as they're referred to, but I would say they're not my favorite. Although I would argue you could probably go through life and never run into a person that's like, oh, the ends are my favorite part of the story. But that person well, may Well, even in the books, they're, the whole idea is that they're trees, right? So they live like millennia and they do their decisions very slowly so naturally like in a book it's it's okay and i don't remember the exact chapters and whether that was kind of dry but definitely in a movie it goes pretty slow yeah plotting we'll say the plotting Mm -hmm. of the ends was plotting they start this movie off by replaying gandalf's death and him falling after fighting the balrog and mm-hmm. at first I was like, oh, they just kind of like replay the, the shot for shot. What I forgot is they added a bunch to it. And so you see like further down in Gandalf's side of it as he's fighting mm-hmm. and stabbing, which I thought was a little bit interesting because Aragorn went to help him and he's like, blades are no use here. But then Gandalf <laughs> does an awful lot of stabbing with that blade as they fall. And then well, from it's like, like wizard a wizard blade, it's different. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I think most of these heroes have magical swords, but good point. Um, What I thought was cool on the rewatch is just the way it's shot. Like, there's a super Mm -hmm. cool scene of them falling, and like, you get the like the vast perspective. You know what you know what shot I'm talking about? Yeah, like when it steps out like really far away after being like super tight shots on them, like just spinning and fighting and hitting the rocks and everything. This whole cavern opens up, and it it opens like the scene shows the camera before they're even falling and just the light of the ball rugs, like flaming fire wings and everything else just fill that room up. It's just super, super cool. Which and I they, love how like they were able to create another environment in this abyss where they eventually fall into the water and then have another battle on the top of this mountain inside the water. It's just super, super cool. Yeah. I don't know how that all worked in terms of the ge- geography <laughs> of that underwater cave, but I did appreciate because at first you don't really understand the size or the vastness. And then as they mm-hmm. enter and the way they did the light. And I'm, I mean, that's obviously all CGI. They didn't build and rent out a giant cavern with water <laughs> in it. Um, Balrogs are expensive. They're union. Balrogs are expensive. <laughs> From there, we're with Sam and Frodo. They're, of course, lost. We're introduced to one of the most important characters of the whole show, which is Lembus Bread. Um, which is all these guys have to eat. Uh, We then meet Gollum, who obviously is there to get the ring. We talked about him a little bit, but he's played by Andy Serkis. Did you know who this guy was? Because I know you're familiar with his work. You like talk about him 
I don't think he would ever be on my radar if he wasn't someone that you had like mentioned before and what he does because he's in a bunch of other things doing kind of a similar like what's his what's his um i don't know forte is that the right one like he i mean he when he did Gollum here as the motion capture like it was he became like the person to do motion capture like that was who he was and he got kind of typecast i think like that for a little while but he did some other stuff i think he was in um, the Prestige, that movie that you guessed about 30 minutes into the movie, the sure. whole plot. Um, and like he's obviously been in the Marvel's uh, universe and done a lot of stuff there, but really a tremendous actor. And I think even actually this character that he portrayed, because I, he initially was just going to do the voice. Um, but when he was doing the voice for Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson just saw his mannerisms or anything else that he was doing. He asked him to do the motion capture. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately at the time, like the Academy or awards uh, didn't recognize him as an actor for it. So he didn't get like any nods or nominations or anything. Oh, Which, interesting. You know, nowadays, almost every Marvel movie is all about the motion capture and those actors. So, so but he was definitely a pioneer in this industry. Right. Right. So are you arguing that he should have gotten an Oscar nod for playing uh, Gollum? Yes. Hundred percent. Like okay. all the stuff that this guy did in this role, like the <laughs> hopping around, the jumping, the uh, voice work. I mean, it's it's tremendous. Playing two characters, really, Gollum and Smeagol. Yeah, no, that's a good point. He probably would have lost that year to the people in the artist that silent film that <laughs> was really popular for five minutes. Anyways, they trick Gollum. They capture him. I like when they tie him up and they're like, he's like trailing behind them. He acts like any kid that's hiked too long. He's just like throwing himself on the ground and like, I don't know, acting like a toddler. And I thought to myself, man, they're getting a real dose of what parenthood looks like. But plot point, Golem decides to lead him to the gate of Mordor uh, we get the shot of Merry and Pippin as hostages of the Eurokai, and they are being hunted by Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas. Man, I did it again. By the old AGL. Uh, we get a cool scene where Aragorn is like laying on the rocks listening to them move. <laughs> and there's a scene from a movie that I won't bring up that this reminded me of because I've been told I've told the story like four times on the podcast. But it involves a movie called Almost Heroes with Chris Farley and Matthew Perry. Anyways, uh, that's for uh, another time and another place. The orcs are headed to Isengard with the little guys. And this is where we get like, hey, by the way, the title of this um, isn't a throwback to 9-11. It's about these two towers, the Tower of Mordor and the Tower of... I don't say that lightly. I just mean... Because um, you know people like at the time were probably like, too soon, why would they call it the Two Towers? And then they're like, well, it was a book written back in like the 50s or yeah. 60s. So they're kind yeah. of following along there. I think going into this movie, I even forgot what the Two Towers were. It's obviously pretty obvious now, like the Sauron and Sauron's Towers. Um, but I always thought, I think when I watched these first time, I'm like, well, in Isengard, there's only one tower. So why is it called Two Towers? Right. I wasn't very smart back then. You have gotten smarter over time. We all have gotten smarter over time, I would say, (laughs) other than those of us that have gotten dumber. 
Um, <laughs> there's a really cool part where Saruman gives us the whole kind of spiel again about the fires of industry, like burning all the old world and the trees to drive the machine of war. And I was like, yep. That's Tolkien. Here we go. <laughs> when I was yep. listening to the sequence, I couldn't help but think of our conversation from the uh, last pod that we did. It was just, yeah, they're just pushing that very heavily, which I think is great. It's fantastic. Yep. Yes, it is. Rohan's being pillaged. There's some heartbreaking scenes of like kids being thrown on horses so they don't get murdered by orcs. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, yeah. It's the children that suffer the most when villages are raided by orcs. That's something I've... <laughs> always said and why I've always donated to the Anti-Orc Alliance. Um, that would be A- AOA. A-O. One sec, I'll get it right. A-O. Oh, it's just three. It's just three. So AOA. Yeah. Did you already say that? Yeah. Oh, well, you're, you're better at this than I am. That's fine. <laughs> Anyways, the land of the horse lords. I think... Aragorn calls him that, and then we get like mm-hmm. the sweeping shots of Rohan. And once again, I love Rohan. Rohan's great. Speaking of Rohan, this is where we get introduced to a lot of awesome characters. We get Eowyn, who's played by Miranda Otto. I believe that's how you have to say her last name. King Theoden, who, mm, listen, I know I was a big fan of Boromir. I think King Theoden is my guy in these whole movies. He's got, he has got the best speeches. He has got some Mm -hmm. of the best lines. I mean, this guy, all he wants is a beautiful death leading a horse (laughs) into impossible odds. And I just, I don't know. He's played by Bernard Hill. He's got a very recognizable face. Um, and I believe he's like the ship captain in Titanic. I'm sure he's done a thousand oh, other right. things, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's where his face is probably most recognizable from. Listen, it's a guy that likes to go down with a ship. He's typecast. Yeah, there. That's a good a good point. <laughs> All the every time on the Titanic, they were like, "Sir, we got a tiny." He, like he's like, "Drive the ship into the water. We're all going down." He's like, "No, there's time to get women and children into lifeboats. No, this will be our last moment." He's he he loves he loves the, horses. the final moment. Um, oh, and this brings us to, and I'm going to give you time to talk about this guy because I feel like this guy's your jam. But Aomer, and both so Aowen yeah. and Aomer are nephew and niece to King Theoden, and we find King Theoden's son, who doesn't play a real big part in this because he dies uh, almost immediately. But who plays Aomer, Tom? Uh, it's one Carl Urban, who currently is doing The Boys. That's kind of his big um, show that he's kind of leading and running. Uh, but I just love Carl Urban. Like, he just, he plays these, like, older, like, battle sequence roles so well. Like, he's just such a hard-nosed guy. I think he also did Judge Dredd, took up uh, the mantle from Sly Stallone. Uh, I mean, because he does a good amount of acting just below the nose. Just this growling sure. and menacing. <laughs> sure. But I absolutely love Carl Urban. He's fantastic in this. And I think this was probably one of my first introductions to the man as well. I don't think I'd seen him anything beforehand. Right. No, he looks great in Three Feet of Hair. I think mm-hmm. he also plays Bones in the Chris Pine Star Wars movies, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, right? Yes. Isn't yep. that him? He's in Star Wars. He's in a Marvel movie. He's one of the Thors. He's great. He can be. He gets uh, around. Very funny. Very funny. In this, he's not funny. 
He's just trying to keep his country <laughs> together. We've got mm-hmm. uh, Grima, Grima Wormtongue. Uh, Grima Wormtongue. And Tom, if you're ever mm-hmm. the lord or king of a place, don't let your right-hand <laughs> dude be a guy whose name is Wormtongue. I'm assuming it's a nickname, but like not a real flattering nickname. So like... <laughs> If they're like, oh, this is my advisor, Wormtongue, you'd probably be like, oh, get a different advisor or have him change the nickname. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I and mean, this reminded me of, and I don't know the timing of it. Obviously, these books came out well before like the Harry Potter franchise, but you have like Wormtail in Harry Potter. So I'm wondering if like J.K. Rowling wrote Wormtail as almost like a um, nod to uh, J.R.R. Tolkien here, mm. with, uh, like being the right-hand man, kind of the Wormtail, Wormtongue kind of deal. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I think British people just like describing as sniveling, like, yes men, as worm something. (laughs) The King's Week. I'm going to go through this real quick. Grima is, like, whispering sweet poisons into his ear. He banishes (laughs) Aomir. And this leads to Aomir meeting AGL on the field. This is another scene where... They all point things. Someone has surrounded this group, and they're sticking <laughs> pointy things in their face, like just like in La Florin, the forest. It's like, hey guys, the whole reason of a lance is like distance, and like I don't know. I, I I just for for dramatic purposes, I guess I understand why the movies did it. But someone should have been like, hey Peter, we did this in the forest. Uh, remember when they shoved their anyways. I do appreciate Gimli, who is surrounded by much taller, larger people uh, talking trash right before he's mm-hmm. about to get stabbed several times uh, <laughs> with a lance. But Aomir, oh, and there's this fun setup where Aomir, as he's explaining to AGL what's going on in their kingdom, that he's like, oh, the, the crafty white wizard Sauron. And this kind of sets us up for the the sneaky reveal later on with Mm -hmm. the other white wizard and i'm sorry tom i know as someone who has done several stints in rehab are you okay with me using the term white wizard or is that going to trigger you no that's okay to chase the lightning again okay wait what was say again it's it's the white lightning is what i'd like to chase okay Um, sometimes sometimes i do it in cosplay but typically (laughs) it's when it's thundery outside we um oh and I rushed over the riders of Rohan killing all the orcs in the night and mm-hmm. this uh sets up the fact that everyone thinks Merry and Pippin are dead and Aomir's like hey guys I'm sorry we killed your little friends uh here's a consolation <laughs> prize <horses>. yeah <laughs> they, they give him a consolation prize of course prize only two only two horses so I guess they knew that Gimli couldn't ride. I guess Gimli kind of rides a little bit later when they fight the little dog guys, but uh, kind of a bummer just to give him two. Yep. AGL then go over to the burning bodies. They're like, oh, see the big smoke? That's where we burned your friends and all those orcs. Aragorn, <laughs> in his outrage, kicks a helmet, which apparently, according to the internet, he broke some toes when he kicked that helmet because that was improv. <laughs> oh, really? You kicked that thing so far. Like, in the sequence, I'm like, man, I kick a soccer ball, it hurts my foot, let alone a metal helmet. I like to think Aragorn, during the course of these movies, was trying to get a sports movie 
um, greenlit, <laughs> and that's why when the knife got thrown out of him, he swung it like a baseball bat and knocked it out of the park. This time he's like, oh, I'd love a football movie about me, and by football I mean as international football, um, Ooh, okay. football. He kicked that helmet, and someone was like, oh, he's going to be the lead in a movie about... Uh, a nice coach who comes from America and teaches people Listen, how to love one I feel another. like if he joins the Ted Lasso, he could be the foil to Roy Kent. Absolutely. That's that's a good point. He could be. It would just be <laughs> two gruff, hairy gentlemen grunting at each other. Aragorn becomes the best tracker alive. And this scene where he's looking at the ground and he's tracking something reminded me of another movie, Tom. Have you ever seen Almost Heroes <laughs> with Chris Farley? And Matthew Perry. All right. I have. They, Aragorn's like, they ran this way, and they rolled here, and they... And but he eats that cow poop. They, no, that's mine. Don't take that from me. That's all I have in this life is a memory of that one scene from one movie. Anyways, he tracks them into Fangor Forest, and they're all like... Who would be crazy enough to go into Fangor Forest? But <laughs> Fangor Forest seemed pretty nice, you know, other than answer friendly. Yeah. And well, that mm-hmm. one orc does get stepped on, but that was hilarious. Uh, <clears throat> Mary and Pippin climb Treebeard. Treebeard, as I mentioned, crushes that orc. They refer to Ents as tree herders, <laughs> which I thought was interesting, like an interesting thought, because. I don't get the magic or lore behind Ents as much. Maybe you can fill me in a little oh, bit. Oh, sure, like, yeah. I'm an, every ent, tree I'm an S- technically Entistian. an Entistian? Or they just live with, like, in forests and, like, some are alive and some are not? So, not all trees are Ents, but all okay, Ents are all trees. Ents are trees. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the Ents are, like, the intelligent trees. It's like in Narnia. Narnia has like talking animals and non-talking animals. Uh, And this one, the Ents are like, as they mentioned, the tree herders. So they have these long staffs with a crook at the end. And they make sure the trees, when they get unruly (laughs) and start like moving into other pastures, they move them along. But so I the do think the staffs are the stupid trees that they carve into staffs to intimidate the other trees. Well, that was a more barbaric... Uh, back in the day but then now you go on trial because that's murdering uh and but i think he mentions it here is like a lot of the trees were like formerly ents or magical and could like sing and talk and those things but Mm -hmm. over time like i guess they just fell asleep and then everyone knows eventually Mm -hmm. once you fall asleep there's that one time you don't wake up so Mm. that's what happened to those trees did i answer that question significantly because the real answer is (laughs) i I don't know <laughs> I think you nailed it. I don't know. Did you know though that um Treebeard was voiced by uh John Rhys Davies or Davis uh Gimli. He was voiced No, by I didn't Gimli. know that. Yeah. The guy so double dipped. Did a lot of that like yeah, he just apparently had like a really I mean obviously the guy does have a like a voice, really yeah. deep voice. Uh and I think they just kind of modulated a little bit for for Treebeard. Did you know that he did the voice and then Peter Jackson saw the way that he moved like a tree and he made him do the motion capture? For He's like, oh, you stand very still. You'd be a great tree. Um, anyways, that may or may not be true. They go to the White Wizard. 
which we all believe is Saruman to this day. I still think it's Saruman. And I do think they do something very tricksy here, where they have <laughs> um, uh, Christopher Lee, like, talking, mm-hmm. and then they transition his voice, and they've got him, like, CGI'd, and then they... So they're being tricksy. They're being tricksy hobbitesses, <laughs> I do believe. <laughs> We cut to Sam and Frodo. Gollum's leading them through that weird marsh with the dead bodies in it from an old battle. I'd forgotten about this scene. I wanted to know more, but then I moved on. Uh, He falls into the water. It's all cool. Like, it's super cool looking. Um, But I got to be honest, the last place you would ever find me is in that marsh. Like, as soon as I saw, (laughs) like, dead bodies in the marsh, I'd be like, nope. I'd throw the ring, and I'd go back to Hobbiton. Yeah, I love the visuals of it. Like, like these. It's not just like dead bodies, and they're not like face down in the mud. Like they are all upright, face staring up. yeah. only yeah. two inches under the water, and just pale face looking up at the the sky. It is super, super creepy. There should have been a scene where, I mean, if Mary or Pippin were there, it would have been one of them with a stick just poking one in the face. Like, <laughs> hey, why didn't it decay? And it'd just be this long, drawn out. <laughs> Anyways, that's my sense of humor. The nine are flying wraiths around. We didn't see the flying race in the first one, right? That's the second one. No, they had horses. They've upgraded to flying lizard things. Yep, and then in the third one, they get machine guns, which really levels the playing field. (laughs) Gandalf appears to AGL, which I stole your thunder here. You mentioned that it was so. No, this is where they have like that cool voice transition. So like it makes you think, and I like the dialogue that uh, AGL had beforehand, like. Okay, we know he's here. We can't let him talk. We can't do anything. We gotta just attack immediately. They all tried their attacks. They all fail miserably, and then it just slowly transitioned into Gandalf's voice. They, but they, like, can you talk to me again? You know the lore and everything better sure. than me, and we don't have to go too deep into this. But is the idea that he passed, like he actually did die, and he was like reborn? Like, you can tell me more about like that concept of Gandalf the Gray versus Gandalf the White. I just think there's a color. It's like karate belts. I don't have to tell you about karate belts. <laughs> You're a guy that's been chasing green belt for your whole life. Um, yes, senpai. He, he uh, yeah. So what ended up happening, I guess the deeds he committed uh, caused him. And I don't know that it's in the book or it, it's explained. I feel like they try to explain it in the movie a little bit more. But he is now transitioned to a more powerful wizard because there are also mentions of other wizards in the book that are different colors and like lesser colors Mm -hmm. and sometimes it has to do with like what their specialty is like i'm pretty sure there's a wizard who's brown as his cover color and he's like the nature guy but i think this is also because saruman has betrayed their order and he was the Mm -hmm. lead of their order Mm -hmm. now gandalf is the white and saruman is no longer of the order because okay so that's how I understand it. For those of you that are listening to me right now and you're just furious because I got it all <laughs> wrong, guess what? You can write me at teambingepodcast. No. At teambingepodcast.com. <laughs> That's have what it is. Have you used email before? Uh, I have used email. I typically use AOL AIM, I believe is what it's called. <laughs> so we are yep. teambingepodcast.com podcast at gmail.com that's what mm-hmm. you can and if you really want to stick it to us you can send money to <laughs> the i still haven't gotten the website all set up but once again it's <laughs> r-e-d-c-r-o-s-s 
dot probably org would be my guess. It might be org. Um, gov. Anyways, know. go Sounds there, like send money. That really sticks it to us. Um, mm-hmm. We get really upset about that. AGL are headed to Rohan. We find we get Shadowfax. Shadowfax shows up. I feel like Shadowfax has a bigger role in the book than he does in the movie, but they do. Mm-hmm. They do really like. We'll just say they shadow fax his entrance here and give give some yeah. time, right? They should have shadow emailed it. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how do I get that joke crocheted on a pillow? Because I want it. I want it so bad. Uh, they do. They do an awesome shot here, though, where they just let this horse just kind of slowly, you know, trot on in to Gandalf. And apparently, when I was looking this up. This was a one take. Um, they didn't have to shoot this again. This horse just uh, went right up to Ian McKellen, right up to Gandalf, and you know Gandalf came right into his face, pet him, and he was good to go. It was pretty cool. Yeah, he's the lord of all horses. Of course, he's a one take guy. <laughs> he's like, I've got, I've got mares to spade or something. I don't know horse stuff. That's if what I said was gross. Send more money to redsross dot org. Great. New Zealand horse riding shots really made me want to own uh, a horse and ranch in New Zealand. This is going to sound terrible. I don't know enough about New Zealand to know whether or not all those mountains are real or whether or not they CGI'd some in or what. I know some of them are real. Obviously, they have mountains there. (laughs) But there are a lot of shots where I was like, is that a real shot? Or did they just take like a wide open space and then throw some Everest in the background? It definitely could be, and I'm not going to speak to it either because I don't know. But I feel like a lot more of the CGI they did was like transposing stuff onto the natural environment, like sure. Helm's Deep, like that mountain. Everything existed, but they just kind of CGI Helm's Deep right. into the mountain. We'll email Dwight later. Dwight will know he's done the walk to Mordor. Yeah. <laughs> Sam and Frodo are at the gate. We get the cool scene where the elk cloak looks like a rock, and I want to bring up again that. At least my brother, maybe both of our brothers, went to uh, the premiere of these movies in Elven Cloaks, and they did not get beat up. So that's something. <laughs> Golem, Golem keeps them from entering Mordor. He's like, oh, by the way, I know a secret passage. And I think something that's interesting that happens throughout the movie is like Frodo keeps trying to like humanize him, where like Sam mm-hmm. treats him like an animal. And yeah. Frodo, so like Frodo uses his Smeagol. He calls him Smeagol. And so mm-hmm. the back and forth that happens with Smeagol and Golem of like, hey, is this guy like, is Master like trying to take care of us? Is he being honest? Like if you, mm-hmm. Golem can be kind of like a throwaway like uh, character if you don't think too deeply about him. But there is some conflict that's going on there. And ultimately it leads to, when he is betrayed by Frodo at the uh, the washing pool or whatever, where it's mm-hmm. illegal to swim, I don't. Those are some strange <laughs> Gondor rules. Uh, if you swim in this one pod, you, it means death. I don't know what's happening there, um, but I think it's interesting that like he, Frodo tries to humanize him. Smeagol starts to trust him, gets rid of Golem, and then when Frodo betrays him, it's like all bets are off and golems Mm -hmm. back yeah and i like that because it set it up in the first movie with um 
uh, Gandalf having the conversation with Frodo about like, hey, like pity him, you shouldn't kill him, kind of a thing. Right. Like, there's there's more to this kind of a deal, and clearly at this point, um, Frodo is feeling the sensation of the ring and how it like can kind of take you over and almost make you evil and just drive you insane and he knows how long Gollum has had this ring or Smeagol has had this ring to transform him into that so if anybody knows about like the pain that Smeagol is going through it is Frodo sure sure he cares but he doesn't care enough to give him the ring you know probably fix everything for Gollum if he gave him that ring of power you know (laughs) make him feel real good in the belly no Wormtongue is creeping on Eowyn I did not like this. I did not like this at all. He dropped some great poetry on her. I didn't write it down, but I was like, oh, all right. Maybe I do see Grima's appeal. Um, he's gotten her at this point alone because he sent Aomer away. He got him banished. The king is, you know, old. And I think this is where she shouts at him and tells him his words are like poison. Um, mm-hmm. And then she barges out. And who's coming up that slope? Who rides tall, dark, and handsome? Our boy, Aragorn and crew. He looks so good. It's Gandalf and AGL. This is probably one of my favorite scenes from all of the movies. It's not my favorite, Mm -hmm. but I think the way they do this, where Gandalf draws the curse out of him, and the, mm-hmm. and like I'll let you speak to it, but like what happens after he, I don't know, sucks the Sauron out of him? Is that a <laughs> phrase I'm allowed to use? Yeah, the way he enters in the room too, like they have to give up all their weapons. Where he's like, "Oh, you can't take an old man's walking stick," <laughs> and he kind of plays all frail as yeah. he's going in. And then how like everybody there like lets this scene play out. Like they have to punch their AGL has to punch their way through a handful of guys, but everybody else is like, okay, like let's see where this goes because clearly we don't like this worm tongue guy. Uh, but yeah, the way that he just kind of keeps doing the magic, we talk, the magic is not like abrupt in your face. You don't need flashy lights. It's just kind of like force energy kind of stuff. But when he eventually pushes the, uh, Sauron out of Theoden and like it cuts to Sauron like popping and falling on the floor right. at the Tower of Isengard. Super cool. So he kind of lost his grip on Theoden. And then Theoden's kind of slow transformation is just... That CGI absolutely still holds up of his, like, scraggly beard just slowly kind of going away and his face coming back to life. Super cool. Very cool. And he's like, you would probably feel better if you felt the cold steel of your sword in your hand again or something like that. I wrote the the quote down somewhere, but I love that. They throw Grimm out. And I got to say, there's a lot of throwing your enemy out to like let them walk away. I know like pity stayed Bilbo's hand, but maybe let's not like let's not <laughs> let all the traitors walk every once in a while. Maybe a dude needs to get like- butchered. Although this will work this out for them in do? the end. Yeah, well, he'll throw he'll throw Saruman off a tower at some point. Um, <laughs> okay, touche. Anyways, less, alert. less mercy for our enemies. That's where I'm at. I didn't learn the lesson Gandalf tried to, tried to pitch in the first movie. Uh, but I'm not a hobbit. I'm a man. And men are corrupt and weak, according to Elrond. So I'm sorry. All right? 
Theoden doesn't want open war, which I thought was funny because it's like, isn't all of your villages being like raided and looted? But whatever, I'm not going to nitpick. He's like, everyone to Helm's Deep. Chop, chop. Gandalf leaves <laughs> to find help. I thought this was just, I mean, great foreshadowing. First light, fifth mm-hmm. day at dawn. Look to the east. Wonderful. Eowyn's practicing with that sword. Oh, we didn't talk about her. Did you have any um, any history, or, or when you see the actor Miranda Otto, do you like think of another show that she's in, or do you remember when you saw her as Eowyn, like recognizing her from anything? I don't. The way you're setting this up, I feel like I should, but I I don't. I feel like whenever I see this actress, I immediately think of her in this powerful role. Oh no, this is definitely her signature role. At the time, I don't remember like watching her and thinking, "Oh, that's so and so from." I mean, most of the people in this movie, other than probably sure. Frodo, were people I hadn't really well, and Rudy was in it, but um, <laughs> the. Not a big thing, but in War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise, she's his ex-wife. Um, she plays that oh, role. okay. And so yeah, yeah. that's what I, uh, that's the other thing that I recognize her from. And really it's not like, it's I recognize her in that after seeing her in this. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that is all facts that people don't care about. Eowyn's <laughs> practice is a sword. It's great. Rather than Aragorn just talking to her like a normal person, he steps in and blocks her blade with a knife, (laughs) which is a great way to interrupt someone, Tom. If someone's ever practiced sword fighting, and this is for all of our audience, just good life advice. If anyone has ever alone practiced sword fighting, (laughs) the best way to interrupt their practice is to step in with your own blade and block them. And that leaves you a great transition into, what up, girl? So, I believe that's what Aragorn said. I don't know. Her and Aragorn actually exchanged some great lines here. I've done a terrible job, um, but I put it all in the quotes portion, so we'll talk about it then. We cut to Frodo and Sam. Sam's realizing that the ring is changing Frodo, and then we get the, the great scene of Gollum and Smeagol arguing. I love, yeah, I love this sequence, especially, like, the camera work is just absolutely phenomenal here where it's slowly kind of panning around as each uh you know Gollum and Smeagol are kind of having their argument back and forth and so after panning and kind of going left and right it eventually just says okay audience you get this and then it just does quick cuts like from his kind of right side is Smeagol from his left side he's Gollum and it just keeps going back and forth as he's having this like little like uh dial like inner dialogue but actually out loud sure. um trying to you know you know, battle his inner demons. It's super, super cool. Right. Yeah, if you weren't paying attention, there's a moment here where you're like, wait, are there two of them? Were were there two characters (laughs) the whole time? And I just wasn't paying attention. But Smeagol banishes Golem and gets rid of his worst self and brings rabbits for everyone to eat. Super nice. They get into a fight over how to eat their rabbits. There's some like there's some comedy in these movies where it's I don't know. So Golem is like they do this quick cut where because Sam's like there's only one way to cook a bracer of whatever he calls them conies mm-hmm. a, a brace of conies yeah. is what he calls them. And then there it quick cuts and 
Golem is whining like a child because he's cooking them <laughs> rather than eating them raw. It's yeah. just so funny. It's so funny. I feel like that line too is very iconic to me. Like the potatoes, like potatoes. I feel like I still say that when somebody tries to hand me potatoes. Yep. Yep. We see a gathering of the Easterlings. Which I appreciate them all following COVID protocols with those masks. They're all masks. I don't think you have to pay extras if you can't see their whole face. So I think this was a budget <laughs> a budget decision. And then we see the most important character in all of these movies, the Oliphants. The funny thing is, uh, actually, all of these elephants' names are named Tim. They're all Timothy Oliphants. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I do like these guys because this is giving us the tease for how these are kind of used in the big battle sequence in Return of the King. Because mm-hmm. we kind of get a little bit of them here. But man, Return of the King does some awesome sequence with these Olifants. Yep. Awesome sequence there at the field, at, at Pelennor Fields, I believe it's called. This is where we get the Gondor Rangers doing a little bit of ambush tactics. Mm-hmm. Wearing their best Robin Hood cosplay. Their best. All dressed in green. <laughs> They've got Lady Mary, Maria. I don't know. It's been a long time. Maiden Marian. <laughs> now, Maiden Marian. Thank you. And Tom, now this scene was full of a lot of archery. A lot of yeah. archery. Mm-hmm. Now, was it painful for you to watch this scene with all that archery <laughs> happening, knowing your history with archery? Listen. I love archery. <laughs> it is a beautiful thing. You've bled for it, Tom. You've bled for it. it. <laughs> see somebody that's good at it, do it well. I am not great at it, and I don't understand the fundamentals because I get what we like to call a bowstring slap or snap or whatever it is slap. on my forearm because I don't know how to properly hold a bow. And this past weekend, I was at Julian's house testing out his sweet, sweet new compound bow. And not three shots in do I hit my arm and get a massive hematoma on the side of my arm. Tom, how many <laughs> times? hematoma when it like bubbles up? I yes. don't know what it's called. I it think that's great. right. Contusion? Who knows? I'm not a doctor. <laughs> well, I think we've established a long time ago. Not doctors. But Tom, so that's like three times in your life you've done that? Is that correct? Or was that only two? Yeah, but in my defense, the night before I shot this, I even asked you, hey, should you be wearing one of these arm guard things? You're like, nah, you don't need that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Never <laughs> never had any issues over here. Oh, I'm just glad you got to keep the arm. <laughs> Sam and Frodo, this is where they get captured by the Rangers of Gondor. We then cut, uh, and we get the funny scene where Gimli falls from his horse, and Eowyn laughs, and her laughter is like a Mountain Dew <laughs> spring rain, and she turns, and her and Aragorn <laughs> look at each other, and... I'm not going to lie, Tom. I think those kids are going to make it. Those two are going to fall in love. Um, But the movie doesn't want you to see those sparks because the movie's like, hey, guys, calm down. Don't uh, stand, I believe. Don't stand Aragorn and Eowyn because (laughs) have you forgotten again? Don't stand so close to me. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. Don't stand so. Don't stand. Okay. Um, did they did they do this in the books? Was it like heavily pushed of kind of like a <laughs> randomly bring up an eighties chorus from a Yes, yes, they sure. do. They do. I'm okay. sorry. What was your question, Tom? I was still laughing sorry. about you singing "Don't Stand, Don't Stand, Don't Stand." So Listen, close. Scrantonicity is going to make it. 
<clears throat> no, but the the question was like, because I, I don't remember this from the books. If there was kind of like this romance um, kind of angle with uh, Eowyn and oh uh, yeah, here once again, don't at me, but I'm yes, I'm pretty sure it was something mm-hmm. that okay. was kind of hinted at in the books, more from her side than his side. And the movie does a great job because they're like, don't you guys dare remember Arwen. And you're like, oh, yeah, Arwen's dope. And we get this flashback of Arwen and Aragorn talking. And my wife, uh, out of nowhere, was like, she's got a really good elf face. <laughs> and I was like... It's true. It's a fact. I didn't know what natural that, ears. I didn't know what that meant. And so <laughs> what I thought we could do, Tom, is since most of these podcasts were trying to... You know, create as much content as possible because these go short. Um, our goal is <laughs> our goal is to have a podcast twice as long as the movie or show. So you know, most of the lasso pods are an hour and a half on a forty-five minute show. This is a three-hour movie, so we got six hours of content we got to create here. <laughs> so I'll let you go first. Name the top ten people that have the best elf faces. Allow me to go first. Uh, Mr. Smith from The Matrix has a really good elf face, as well yeah, it's does... Eyebrows. It's his eyebrows. Kate Blanchett. Blanchard. Mm-hmm. What is her last Kate name? Blanket. Kate Blanket. Kate Blanket. Those two <laughs> are my are my go-to. Oh, I, I should also like mention Mr. The Bloom. Best... Mr. Bloom, okay. Yeah, he's got a good elf face. I feel like a good elf face is like really smooth... But I think the unrecognized, uh, one of the greatest elf face in all of movies is Will Ferrell in Elf. Oh, he's got a great elf face. He does have a great elf face. That's a good point. It's I think happy, you. It's go lucky. Yep. I it's think great. you. I think you won. Okay. Now let's do uh, great elf butts. So I'll let you go first. Mm. You have to name okay. who has the greatest elf butt. Something tells me you're going to go Will Ferrell again. No, surprisingly, Gerard Butler has a very, very good elf, elf butt. Elf butt. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From uh, uh, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet, fantastic elf butt. Yep. You see it in, I was going to say Den of Thieves, but then you moved on <laughs> from Gerard Butler. So, And I feel like you just came up with his name because butt is in his last name. We've digressed, and we'll get to those six hours. Don't you guys worry. But AO1... Quick, quickly picks up on the fact that Aragorn is like, I guess, looking off into the distance and smiling and like licking his lips. And she's like, hey, what's the deal with the other woman? Um, oh, no, she recognizes that that necklace that he's wearing. She sees the jewel. Mm-hmm. And we get these flashbacks where Elrond tells Aragorn that he can't marry his daughter because the classic <laughs> conversation she can't live with you. She's got to be eternal. And if she goes with you, then she won't be eternal. Both you and I had these conversations with our father, our now father-in-laws before we got mm-hmm. married. Was this a similar situation where your father was like, no, she's you know going to live forever and you're going to die old and wrinkly? It, yeah, it was. But thankfully, I didn't have to do it via a fever dream. I was able to do it over her phone. So sure, over nice. phone, right. Mm-hmm. And then, much like everyone else, you stab your father-in-law and <laughs> uh, take their mortality. So, can I ask, like, the way the sequence please. ends with that conversation with Erwin and um, Elrond? Sh- when she's leaving, are we supposed to know that she chose a mortal life? Like the way he is 
reacting. He's like kind of grimacing. So he's like upset, but it just seems like she's just with the other elf ladies walking with lanterns. Like, I don't know what that was supposed to symbolize. No, I think she's headed to the ships to go to the Grey Haven. And then isn't there a part where she like breaks rank and runs back? Am I remembering that wrong? No, you could be right. I guess I was just thrown off by Elrond's face. Like, Elrond was, like, seemingly disappointed while she was doing this. You figured he would have been, like, smiling and saying, like, hey, yeah, you chose the right path, but... Well, I think part of it is probably because his Thetan levels were low and he was in the middle of writing his next great book, (laughs) Scientology for You and I, by Elrond (laughs) Hubbard. Anyways, uh... We're still here. Aragorn's like, oh, she's sailing away. <laughs> I'll let you Don't take a moment. Away. To Don't sail away. Don't sail away with you. <laughs> oh, Tom, you're incredible. Thank you. Oh, man. I love it. Eowyn's like, Her oh, friends. so you're saying there's a chance because that lady's... Sailing away. We get the warg attack. I love the warg attack. I don't know if the wargs are in the books, but the warg attack is super cool. Uh, Eowyn has to lead the people to Helm's Deep. They get into uh, a super fun fight. And everything looks great. Wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> it all looks awesome. I would change awesome. thing. It's oh, go ahead, Tom. What would you change? <laughs> uh, like, that starts after they killed, like, the scout... You've got Legolas kind of all by himself. He's popping a couple arrows out to get a couple guys before hopping on a horse. Slapping his arm. This to me is some of the worst, yeah, CGI throughout this whole movie where Legolas tries to, like, grab the horse and the momentum swings him seemingly the opposite direction around the horse and then he kind of sits on the back of it. It's a super cool idea, which is so poorly executed in the scene. And I think later you get Aragorn like popping on a horse like this. Not quite as fancy, but him kind of like grabbing a guy or an orc or something off a horse sure. and getting on it. Yeah, this was a bit silly. I feel like the Aragorn was practical, and this one was clearly CGI'd. And to your point, yeah. what throws it off is like, I don't even know if it's the CGI, what throws it off is the momentum is wrong of how exactly and it's funny how your brain works your brain's like no that is not how like he would have Mm -hmm. swung based on the way the horse is moving anyways let's take the next 30 minutes of going through the physics of him swinging onto that moving horse but yeah i'm with you this leads us to aragorn getting pulled over the edge everyone thinks he's dead theoden's like leave the dead don't bury him legolas gives him a look Mm -hmm. and i thought legolas was going to shove an arrow through his eyeball um if that triggers anyone i apologize i shouldn't have said that um but i certainly thought he was at least going to stab him in the face and then they (laughs) head out and they reach helm's deep and helm's deep seems lovely lovely little place in the mountains yeah the deep seems dope the deep seems dope how do i get that on a license plate (laughs) we cut to isengard we get the voiceover there's two points here. There's Okay, so we get this voiceover of the bad dude explaining their plan to show the vulnerability of the good guys, where he's like, oh, there's this mm-hmm. one like opening in the wall, and Saruman's like, hey, I've invented gunpowder. I call it, <laughs> I, call it I don't know, weapon powder, because we don't have guns in this world. We see the 10,000 Urukai. Then are closely coming up on the point where 
Galadriel like explains the whole movie. Like we're at like the midway point, and she just starts talking mm-hmm. about like Isengard's marching on Rohan, Mordor's growing strong, Frodo is dying from the ring. Men will take the ring because they're corrupted. Like I had forgotten. She was like, "Hey, I don't know." It was almost like they took two movies and they slapped them together, and they were and they forgot they had the intro to a movie in the middle of it. <laughs> I'm not complaining, but wasn't that strange? Did you find it strange when it was happening? It definitely takes you out because it is just a massive exposition dump, and it not it wasn't really anything we needed. Like I don't know if they wanted to because. I, I mean, I don't know, a movie like this that has so many characters and so much kind of stuff going on, I get the idea that there's some members of the audience that are not going to be able to follow it. So slow things down a little bit, give everybody a recap. But I do think the main purpose of this is ultimately to kind of remind them, remind the audience of kind of the doom facing the world Mm. Um, and not just like our main characters, but facing everybody. And then it kind of leaves, I think, the sequence by talking specifically about like how the elves are going to handle this and like do elves leave men to their fate because what happens you know where the elves eventually are going to join the the men at helm's deep which uh, you probably know this more so than i but that is not in the books correct like the elves never actually show up at this fight no yeah no it's <laughs> not and i'm going to i'm going to mention in the beginning of the first movie they talk about the last alliance of men and elves the last alliance of men and elves. <laughs> Therefore, it doesn't happen again. Anyways, go ahead. Well, last at the time of the, the talking. But I think the idea was they wanted to show up, or they're going to show up later, and there's nobody that seemingly sent them. Like, Theoden didn't send anybody out, didn't send any writers to ask for help. So the idea that these guys showed up is on Elrond's behest. And he said, hey, you got to go there to, to help them out. So as Galadriel's giving this exposition dump, it's kind of kind of doing these zooms on Elrond while he's kind of making this decision. Sure. And then we have Faramir explaining everything. He's like, hey, here's a map. <laughs> he's like, they're attacking Mord- from Mordor. They're attacking from Isengard. And I was like, wait, Galadriel, are you not listening to Galadriel's voiceover? Because she just explained this, Faramir. What is going on? Do you know on? that the maps used in the sequence were actually maps drawn by Tolkien's kid? I think it's oh, really? Christopher Tolkien? I yeah, Christopher Tolkien's that, the yeah, one that took over. Mm-hmm. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, so he actually drew and wrote all these maps, which is really cool, too, because like, having seen Return of the King, these maps didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me at the time, but you look at them now, like you can kind of see, um, I don't know, is it Minas Tirith? Like, what's, what's that thing between like uh, Gondor and um, Mordor? There's kind of like that small village or whatever where ultimately Faramir, I think, takes... Oh, Osgoloth or whatever it's called. Osgoloth or something like that, yeah. yeah. But it's just cool to see that like map and see actually like where the hobbits kind of came from, where they are now, where Helm's Deep is, where uh, Mordor is. Um, it's kind of cool to be able to do that extra world building because the books definitely had that beautiful maps and art that were all created from, from Tolkien's work. Sure. Yeah, it'll be nice when we're dead and gone, Tom. Our sons will be drawing maps of our podcasts. <laughs> be a quick map picture of you picture of me one arrow <laughs> <laughs> we have Faramir talking with Frodo and Sam he thinks they're orc spies the guy that plays Faramir his name is David Wenham did you have any relationship mm-hmm. to him or, or sense this movie um, I, I, I'm quite certain this 
his role came after this, but he narrated 300, the movie with good old Gerard Butts. Um, he just has a fantastic voice for this sort of like narration, um, you know, powerful voice that can just carry on a, a sequence. And see. Yeah, I, I think he's one of the 300 in that too. He's like the survivor yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he was surviving one. Mm-hmm. It looks great in that movie. Mm-hmm. Too bad he had to wear armor in this one. You know what I mean? Frodo <laughs> speaks of Boromir. And Faramir's like, guess what? I bet as his friend, you'll be saddened to know he's dead. Also, he's my brother. (gasps) (laughs) And then he wakes them up because they're sleeping. And he's like, hey, who's Gollum? Because you told us you were alone. Um, They're all about to. And once again, Tom, I hope you weren't triggered. But these rangers are at full draw on a recurve bro, holding it for a really long time. And no you know what would protection. be difficult? What would be difficult? No forearm protection. That's a good point. The second thing that would be difficult would be these guys have to be sighted in on Golem and then with their other eye looking at Faramir for when he drops his <laughs> arm to let him know. So they're like those reptiles that can look in like two directions, like the little lizard in Tangled, um, which is a great movie. We should do that one next. Um, let's do Tangled between this and The Return of the King. Really throw people off. Anyways, Frodo spares Gollum's life, admits to knowing him. He then gets Gollum captured, and this is where Smeagol goes away, and Gollum is all set for revenge. Now, do you think this is, like, warranted? I know, like, from Gollum or Smeagol's perspective, like, yeah, he got betrayed here, but he Frodo was doing this to save his life because Faramir was going to have him murdered here. Oh, do you think this is a time in a movie where one character could maybe explain to another character and clear up some confusion? <laughs> or they just don't talk and therefore one turn, like, takes the turn to bad simply because one other okay. person was like, hey, by the way, Smeagol, they were going to shoot you with a bunch of arrows. Listen, they have these eyes where one can point one way and one can point <laughs> the other. They never miss a shot. They were going to shoot you, and I saved you. And. The issue is I don't know if Smeagol or Gollum is a reasonable human being. I think that's the uh, that's the issue. Reasonable hobbit being. Right, right. That's fair. Faramir discovers that he has the Ring of Power. He has, like, he's looking at it and he's like, Faramir, captain, a chance <laughs> to show my quality. He has this speech where I appreciate every one of these times in the movie where it's like a hero, like the big hero is like, should I take it? Should I like become the most mm. powerful? And I, I've yet to be disappointed with an actor in this show where they aren't like they don't show it on their face as they're trying to figure out like what right. their decision would make. And I mean, mm-hmm. for you and I, the decision's easy. We take the ring of power. You know, <laughs> we only do good with it. But uh, for these people, it seems to be some sort of moral dilemma. Sam explains that. They've got to destroy it. That's their whole purpose. Because part of this is like they're not trying to tell him what they're doing. And then Mm -hmm. this is the point where Sam's like, listen, we're going to destroy it. Oh, by the way, the reason your brother's dead is because he tried to take it from him. Faramir, Mm -hmm. brother of Boromir. And Faramir makes the right choice. He's like, oh, the ring's going to Gondor. Let's go, guys. Aragorn arrives at Helm's Deep. He's like, yeah, this Helm is deep. We're going to be able to do this. There's only 10,000 coming to destroy the world of men, and they're arriving by nightfall. 
everyone's judge of how fast people can mark in distance is spot on. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been times I've looked at the GPS and I've been like, oh, there's no way I'm going to make it in an hour. Uh, so I don't know how they do it in this without Google, but it is what it is. <laughs> Theoden wants to make a last stand, and this is where we get that great speech. Where was Gondor when the Westfold fell? Where was Gondor when our enemies closed in around us? And this is because Aragorn's like, you still have allies. Like, light the torches, call on Gondor. But Theoden, to his credit, he just wants... He just wants uh, a beautiful death. You know, and I think part of this is because he just lost his son. So I think the hope bubble of Theoden has been burst because of the loss of his son. Mm -hmm. Merry and Pippin are with the Ents. I don't care about the Ents. I don't care about their Ent moot. I just don't care. (laughs) Uh, They're seeing if they decide if they're going to war. It's kind of funny. Let's get back to Legolas and Aragorn arguing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Legolas is like, hey, we're 300 against 10,000. And that's when Foromir pops in and he's like, wait, 300 against 10,000? Do you want me to narrate this? And Aragorn and Legolas. That was actually like, a nod. I think that's actually uh, a nod from uh, Peter Jackson to the Battle of Thermopylae. Just like the idea of like the overwhelming odds. So I think they wrote that specifically in for this. Sure. And it makes sense. I do think there are a lot more than 300. Um, Rohan, Neonians, Rohandians, I don't know what it is. They will all die. Legolas is not happy. He is not. But he says it in Elvish, so I mean, it's it's still beautiful. That is true. I do like how the Rohan people are probably like, oh, he probably said something really encouraging in Elvish. That's why he didn't (laughs) want to say it in the common tongue, so we wouldn't hear how beautiful it was. Well, but then Aragorn comes in in English and says, well, then I will die with them. (laughs) Well, yo. (laughs) Then the guy's like, oh, oh, I think he said something about us all dying. No, 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 no. He wouldn't have said that. Yeah. That's the, I wish they would do more. I, honest to God, I wish there was a show where they took a, like, maybe I've already talked about this, but in like Bond films or like any films where there's bad guys, there's always these like faceless dudes that get beat up by the good guy. Like they can't shoot him, but they're just there to be beat up and thrown off a balcony. They should do a show about that dude where he's just a guy that like he wants benefits, he wants salary, he's like five years with this corporation, he doesn't know what the corporation does. You know, he's just showing up every day. He's got to hold a gun. He's got to make sure someone doesn't get through the door. And then he gets his butt whooped by some random secret agent. Um, That's what I think about with these faceless people in the background where they're just like, wait, what's going on? We're we're about to be attacked by 10,000 who? That's what I think about. Well, that's kind of, um, what was that Ryan Reynolds movie, Free Guy? Where he was like an NPC, a non-playing character or whatever, and then got thrown into the world of this massive online deathmatch game or whatever. That was pretty funny. I never never saw it. But every episode of my show, the guy like gets beat up. He's like, (laughs) all right, well, I got to go find a different job. And then he go joins like, I don't know, Raj Al Ghul. And he's like, okay, they're going to teach me to be a ninja. (laughs) And then he gets beat up by Batman at the end of that episode. There's a lot of IP that would have to be cleared for this mo- uh, this show to make sense, but, you know, it is what it is. Listen, I think you're talking about the Minions. You're literally talking about the Minions. <laughs> I 
just <laughs> going from one bad guy to another. And right. Warner Brothers has a lot of IP, so I think you're good. My or guy doesn't speak Minionese, though. He speaks English. Those are where we don't get sued in court. King Theoden asks the dude, he's like, do you trust your king? And that guy's response on his face is like, nope, you're going to get us all killed here. Um, and then we get Theoden's great speech where he's like, where now are the horse and rider? Where is the horn that was blowing? Where is the helm and the halberd and the bright hair flowing? Where is the harp on the harp string and the red fire glowing? This is a long quote, Tom. Where is the spring and the harvest and the tall corn growing? They have passed like rain on the mountain, like a wind in the meadow. The days have gone down in the west behind the hills into shadow. Who shall gather the smoke and the dead wood burning? Or behold the flowing years from the sea returning. That's called the lament of the Rohirrim. And beautiful. it's pretty sad. It's pretty sad. Listen, it was beautifully done. We get the cool scene where Aragorn's like, Hey, young man, uh, you've got a really cool sword here. So good luck and you're going to die. Legolas is like, hey, I'm sorry. I doubted that we were all going to die. And Aragorn's like, no, I'm pretty sure we are all going to die. But at least they're cool with each other towards the end, I guess. We're going to die together. We're buds. But who arrives to save them, Tom? Who arrives? Uh, The elves of the Lothlorien. Which, again, not in the book, but Jackson, I think, um, well, you hit on this, because I think you know the books better than I do. Jackson kind of wrote this in as... uh... I guess what happens at this point, like, as these assaults are happening from the orcs, it's not just at Helm's Deep, it's at, like, the woods of Lothlorien. There's different places that are getting attacked, but obviously, within the constraints of a movie, they couldn't show all that. So Jackson's reasoning was, let's show that, like, this is not just a threat to men. This is a threat to elves as well. And so that's why he put them there. I would argue it's like, it's still super cool. Like to have them there, like incredibly their Mm -hmm. like archery stuff, like the way they fight, like the elves are super cool looking. Um, so it just adds a lot more to this battle. Like, yeah, not only like the archery that happens during the battle, but like their armor, like the cool like marching steps that they do and how they like kind of turn and pop their bows in the ground. Like elves in this universe are just such cool characters. So yeah, the more of them you get, I think the better. And this gets us to the, the potatoes and meat of the movie, which is (laughs) the Helm's deep battle. Yeah. And I think you mentioned this at the top. This was apparently four months to film. A lot of the chanting that they did, um, for like when the army kind of first arrives and is just kind of standing out front. Apparently Peter Jackson filled a cricket stadium worth like of 25,000 people and had them do all these chants. And then they kind of imposed it into the movie. Which really? Is super, super cool. Interesting. Yeah. I would describe this movie with rain and dark and archers and ladders and rank and file. And it's all great. Mm-hmm. It's probably... I think it's better than The Fields of Pelennor and Return of the King... It's better than, I mean, obviously on scale, it's better than the battles in the first one. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just, I don't know. I get a lot of joy out of how they shot this, the stuff that's going on. Um, We get Gimli and Legolas keeping score of who they're killing. They kind (laughs) of, to your point, they like slow it down sometimes by cutting us to the Ents. Uh, Don't care about them. We get the cool bridge attack where... They're running up with shields. Um, Theoden's like, 
is this all you have? Is this? Which is real early in the battle, and then they blow up the wall. They breach the wall. Um, Aragorn leads a cool charge. The one thing I don't need, I just don't need it. I don't need Legolas skating on a shield. Like, I don't know. He does cool things, but I don't know. I didn't need this. And I'll go back to the books and check it out if, if Tolkien was like, Legolas used a shield like a skateboard, those punk kids. I just don't, I don't know. Well, and not only does he, like, skate down and shoot three guys on the way, but even at the very end, like, the shield flies off the ground and hits an orc, like, right in the chest to kill yeah. another person. Yeah. It's fantastic. I do want to say, though, that this battle did have way more than two beheadings, so it should have been rated R. No. It's, it's not They're not real people, Tom. Movie. They're orcs. They're orcs. Orcs aren't <laughs> real people. They don't get ratings. You can do whatever you want to them. Their kappas were detated. Their kappas were detated. We cut. The Ents are deciding not to move. No one cares. They're Ents. Um, <laughs> Halder is the guy that's leading the elves. And I don't know. I think he's a character in the books, but I don't think he's as prevalent. Like, they couldn't have Elrond go there and die. They had to kind of be like, mm-hmm. okay, this is the face of the elves. That guy Did gets... Did we see him in the first movie? Was he yeah, he's, he's the one that... We saw him in the woods, right? Yeah, when they enter the woods with Galadriel... He's the one that talks about how loud um, Gimli is. Haldor gets killed. It's sad. Uh, Theoden gets stabbed at the gate, which I thought was great leadership. If you're going to be the king of warriors, get in the mix a little bit. Uh, Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. he's 80 years old and he got stabbed in the armpit. Um, (laughs) And they're like, make way for the king. He got stabbed. And um, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. I should have done this. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> He's like, all is lost. Open the gates. Let them kill us. Theoden, you're fine. You're just—it's a sliver, man. He's like, everyone, kill the women and children. Don't let them be taken. Your armor blocked most of it. Yeah, it's just a bruise. It's like a—it's like a uh, string slap. Anyways, um, Aragorn and Gimli do that cool thing where they sneak around. Uh, Gimli, of course, being the comic relief, he's like, toss me. What? Toss me. Toss me. Great delivery of that line. Yeah. yeah. A dwarf is not, I mean, they're stout, but they are not like light, right? Chuck, having uh, Aragorn toss him across the bridge is very impressive. I think part of this is Aragorn is kind of superhuman. Like that's, that's Mm -hmm. something that is like, cause he's supposed to be not ageless, but has lived like many lives. He's of the, um... He's of the line of kings, which would would have Mm. been descendants. Oh, please don't at me. But of descendants of like they would have had some elvish blood in them. So I think there is a level of like supernatural to um, to them. That's fair. They retreat to the keep. Uh, Mary gets Treebeard to go Treebeard to go to Isengard. Os Gilead. Treebird is his burning. little friend that just Tree- hangs out in his shoulder. Treebird. Treebird and his buddy Treebird. They're singing it's old tree songs. It's Treebird and Treebird. That... Going to the forest. It's Treebird and Treebird having so much fun. Do, yep. do. Years from now, they'll get canceled because they were tree racist. Um, Treebird was a bit of a racist, yeah. Yes, he was. Osgiliath is burning. I believe that's the that's the like port town you were talking about. Uh, Faramir's got Frodo there. We're just cutting in between these things. Treebeard sees the mm-hmm. forest is destroyed, and then he's like, "All right, all bets are off. I'm clicking off safe." 
and I'm going to go throw stones <laughs> at stones. Um, we get the end's revenge. Osgiliath, Faramir is like, oh, this is where Sam tells him this is what killed Boromir, is that he saw it as mm-hmm. a weapon. We get the Nazgul coming up. I feel like, well, I don't uh, love all the times that he's on screen, the like desperate Frodo, like hearing the screams of the Nazgul, like kind of going into a trance. That's probably mm-hmm. the best work that who's the actor that plays Frodo? Elijah. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. That that's like where he thrives. Like I don't know how to say this, but I don't care about him when he's happy Frodo, but when he's like <laughs> desperate, sad, he does that piece yeah, of it he plays, really really well he plays the tortured soul very well yeah i mean i'm with you and some of the other parts i think they're just a little bit i don't know corny at parts the way they're being delivered but yeah he plays tortured very well we cut back they're in the keep theoden i don't know how many times theoden is like given up during this fight but he's like what can men <laughs> do against such reckless hate and he's like send the women and children into the mountains aragorn we get the flashback of gandalf's words and this is where he gives aragorn's like listen let this be the hour where we draw swords together actually that's not aragorn saying that that is theoden because uh, mm-hmm. aragorn's like let's ride out ride out with me man let's go stab some fools and uh theoden gives his let this be the hour when we draw swords together fell deeds awake now for wrath now for ruin and the red dawn I love all of it. Every one of Theoden's, I'm going to go die uh, while I stab people. It was great. The cavalry charge across the bridge where they're just clearing dudes off. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I honestly do a mini series about Theoden. That's all I want. That's all I want in this life. Gandalf appears with the Rohirrim. Aomir does his. Gandalf's like he's all alone. And Aomir pops into scene. He's like. He's not alone. For the king! And then they charge down the hill. I gotta say, the steepness of that hill, if I was one of those cavalry dudes, I'd be like, whoa, 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 guys, let's go slow. Let's go slow. Let's go slow. Because here's the deal. If you're in a mass of horses and your dude trips, 80 horses are stamping on your face, like, as they go down that hill. Um, yeah, then Gandalf does that big, like, blast of light, or I don't know, it's supposed to, like, the sunlight's supposed to be over yep. their shoulders. It kind of blinds first row of orcs or whatever, but, uh, yep. yeah, very, very steep. That's you know, a super cool question, scene. How do they get up there? That's yeah. a long time to even get up to the top of this, let alone getting down. Yeah, well, I think there's a, you know, that's an upper plane. They slope down. That's the, uh, that's the eastern pasture, or whatever they said. That's the western pasture. <laughs> From open range <laughs> up on that mountain. Anyways, it's a great, I mean, that whole shot with the sun coming up, them going down, so cool. mm-hmm. like you've, orcs have all got their long spears and then they raise them right as the cavalry hits. All super cool. We get the Ents destroying Isengard, which I actually, I don't know, for some reason in my mind, I was like, oh, it's going to look dumb, but I actually thought it looked really good. You've got a bunch of these Ents like... Mm-hmm. I don't know, tearing things down, throwing rocks, destroying the war machine. And then we get Frodo well, trying love... to give the ring to Nazgul. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just say with the end bit, I love how like the orcs or whoever's kind of left there is trying to defend Isengard and they're like knocking them down and then just taking axes to the ends. Like yeah. that's going to do much. Yeah. Like, there's only one end that was probably ever in danger that got lit on fire. Yeah, I can never forget the scene where his head's on fire and he like puts it in the water as it's blowing. It. <laughs> it's like it's such a great like 
Someone who was doing the CG was like, hey, what if I have an ant? And they were like, yes, 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 yes. Um, there's a dude out there who's proud of that moment because he created it as on I, a computer. He should be. Yeah, he should. Frodo tries to give the ring to the Nazgul. There's that su- it's super cool. He's on like a wall and the Nazgul's like mm-hmm. hovering in front of him. And he's like, here, here, Nazgul, Nazgul, Nazgul. <laughs> and then Sam stops him. And then I think Frodo goes to kill Sam. And Sam's like, don't you know you're Sam? Don't you know you're Sam? (laughs) Uh, And he doesn't stab him. So that's pretty good. This is then where Faramir makes the decision to, like, turn them loose. And he's got that, like, second in command that's like, your life will be forfeit. And Faramir's like, listen, my dad loves me. He's not going to do anything (laughs) to jeopardize my health. So I'm going to let these guys go. Uh, I'm his favorite son now. And he certainly isn't going to eat cherry tomatoes while he sets me on fire. Sam waxes eloquently about stories and about courage. And Frodo does this cool thing where he's like, listen, you know, they'll tell the story of me, but they're not going to forget the most important character, which is his steadfast friend, Sam, who Mm -hmm. uh, Sam the Courageous or whatever he calls him. Sam the Brave. Sam Sam the the Brave. And then we've got Golem cooking up some scheme, and he is foreshadowing, taking them to the giant spider. And that's where the film ends. My favorite part of this, because we're going to talk about best scenes right now, Tom, is Helm's Deep. I mean, a lot of great parts in this, but the Helm's Deep Mm -hmm. sequence, like the opening, Aragorn and Gimli at the gatehouse, the charge of Theoden and Aragorn on horses... That's my favorite part. I don't think there's... Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, it's the set pieces alone and like all the practicality of all those shots. Like there's clearly CG when they do some of the wide stuff, but these like massive ladders clanking against and they have the little hooks that then pop down. Yeah. I don't know. I love that sequence. Like Legolas shoots off that uh, rope on one of the big ladders and it slowly kind of falls down. Yeah. It always makes me think of that sequence where they're like saying like how many kills they have. I'm like, boom, Legolas just got like... 80 of yeah. like one little shot yeah but yeah just i mean just so cool and it, it it made me think re-watching this now and just having a more healthy respect for movies and and the creativity that goes into filming and doing these and all the work that goes into them these guys having to endure this uh actors for four months just being constantly rained on of the night probably freezing cold because there is like they're you can see their breath on some of these orgs right like a specific shot of even doing it uh, I think they even afterwards, they all got like shirts or matching shirts that says like, I survived Helm's Deep kind of thing. <laughs> it was just so tough and gruesome to, to shoot. But I mean, it just pays off. I think it's just some of the best uh, cinema that's out there in terms of like action and, and battle sequences from this kind of old timey battle stuff. And it's incredible. incredible yeah. Work. Yeah. It's fun to watch like the siege warfare that's happening, the stuff they come up with that it's like a technology thing, like you mentioned, like the ladder hooks and that. And then just the mix of practical. And you know there's some CGI in there, but it's done in such a way that it's pretty it's pretty seamless. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see like your favorite three characters, well, four in my case, because <laughs> Theoden's there, um, <laughs> like get to be warriors. And, and um, you have no sympathy for the orcs. Like they're just evil. And it's yeah. just mm-hmm. like fun to watch them be repelled it's the reason why like stories like the alamo will last forever because a last stand like a desperate last stand 
uh, is always great to watch and it's just done so well in this. Um, honorable mentions for best scenes for this, I would say is like them doing the Balrog fight in the beginning, just watching the riders of Rohan, like operate as like a horse unit. That stuff Mm -hmm. is really cool. Um, where they destroy the orcs at night. That's a cool scene. And then, as I mentioned before, Gandalf freeing King Theoden and that transition of him unaging. I really enjoy that scene as well. Yeah, and I think the stuff with like Rohan I love too because it helps establish like another part of Middle Earth and of this world because we didn't really get like these big open plains. We certainly got like you know beautiful mountains and all that stuff, but being able to get another part of Middle Earth um, and it kind of seemingly be entirely different from what we've seen in the previous movie, I think right. is, is super cool. Right. And I think, I mean, to Tolkien's credit, because this is how the books are separated, but it's kind of cool where it's like first movies like Shire and then like you get to kind of see the outside world from the Shire, but really mm-hmm. the like culture and stuff that you're embedded in is hobbits and the shire and then you know you get some isengard and mordor but that's just like evil and the war machine and then this middle one is like hey these are people that live on the plains they're tied to horses like this is their culture and then the third one is going to be gondor people that are you know they live in the 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 white city um and it's built in the side of a mountain and so they have Mm -hmm. their own like armor culture and then i don't know it's it's interesting to to think of like the political dynamic between the two Mm -hmm. and when theoden's like where where was gondor um and to know that in the third movie we get to kind of see those two uh working together spoilers sorry Mm -hmm. favorite quotes tom did you have a favorite quote a lot of quotable stuff in this movie did you have a favorite one yeah, I think there's a lot of good stuff. Like you had mentioned earlier, like Gimli is a lot of the um, kind of, I don't know, the jokester, if you sure. will. He wasn't necessarily written like that in the books, but I think he's got a lot of great ones. I think there's a one in the beginning where he's like, I'm wasted on cross country. We dwarves are natural sprinters. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That's <laughs> great. Fantastic. You did a great job, by the way. That was a great <laughs> accent. I appreciate Legolas. He's like, a red sun rises. Blood is spilled this night. I'd be like, I don't know, Legolas. That's some. It's just kind of cloudy. Your evidence is a little bit confused. I liked Aemir's. Do you like Legolas? Can I ask? Do you like Legolas's like silliness of always you know, like stepping up to camera, looking to the distance, and delivering these, you know, whimsical lines? I think I remember liking him a lot more, like on the first watches of these. Mm-hmm. As I'm watching it this go round. I don't give him much thought. Like, I think in the books, he's a little bit more, like, well-rounded and you get a little bit more. But in this one, he's just, like, the elf of the group who, like, is noble and shoots a bow and does some cool stuff. But and every once in a while, he has a quip, like, to Gimli that is funny. But, and it's not, I don't think it's any, like, Orlando Bloom, I think, plays him really well. I just don't mm-hmm. know that they give him much in these movies. Yeah, they they write him very specifically. Like, he's not messing up any of the lines or sequences or scenes. He's just, that's the way they presented the character. Right. Which I, I think feel- fine, because you've got the other characters that'll be more, like, grimy, if you will. Right. Which I feel like they almost give, like, 
Like they give Gimli more. You see Gimli like more in the scenes and do more things and interact. I don't know. Mm-hmm. In this one, they gave Legolas his doubting like the plan and, you know, the despair. But that only lasts for like a scene. He's like, oh, we're all going to die. And then like a minute mm-hmm. later, he's like, listen, bro, I'm sorry. I said we were all going to die. We are going to die, but I'm sorry I said it in <laughs> Elvish so these people couldn't hear me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've... I think he's he's played like played really well. Great character from the stories, but um, on this rewatch of the movies, I realized like he's he's more of a minor character, I guess, as opposed mm-hmm. to a major one. Here is a great exchange, and this I put this under quotes, but this is where Aragorn's talking to Eowyn, and she is like lamenting like what her responsibility is in the world, um, mm-hmm. and he. He says, like, what do you fear, my lady? And she says, a cage to stay behind bars until use and old age accept them and all chance of valor has gone beyond recall or desire. And he's like, you're a daughter of kings, a shield maiden of Rohan. I do not think that will be your fate. And it's interesting because she's like, she's a warrior. Like, that's where her motivation lies. That's what she wants to be. But because she's born a woman... She feels like she's been pigeonholed into that. And I think it's interesting that like there are times where Theoden, she doesn't see it, but he's like, listen, you have to lead the people here, mm-hmm. which I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Don't write me. And a culture like this is probably more male-dominated. Um, and mm-hmm. so for him to like tell his niece, like, hey, you need to lead the people here. You need to take them here. Like, and then to put her essentially in charge... Um, I think there's like a great responsibility there, but she doesn't see it because in her mind, it's like the warrior and the fighting that is important. And this carries into the third movies. Um, But the way she says that, where she's like, I fear a cage, you know, I I fear that I will be put in a cage until I'm so old that I just accept the cage and that I'm not given a chance for any type of valor I don't know. I thought that was a that is a well well delivered line and a mm-hmm. uh, a great conversation that they have. Um, yeah, because I love her character. Yeah, they give her so much power. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Like she's not just a because we don't have a lot of like powerful women throughout this whole thing. Like you have Arwen or Arwen, excuse me, but she's just more or less like a love interest to Aragorn. Um, so being able to have uh, Arwen come in, come in here or Arwen, excuse me show that she is a warrior and then you know in movie three like truly prove it by kind of dressing up and going into battle um it's incredible and this definitely lays the groundwork for that very very well oh yeah and i mean she has a critical like moment in line which we'll talk about in the third movie that i love like where she stands up to the nazgul like it's incredible we'll touch Mm -hmm. on it then i don't want to get into the third movie yet but theoden theoden rocks so many great great lines during this you know his let this be the hour when we draw swords together fell deeds awake now for wrath now for ruin and the red dawn i love it mm-hmm. um where is the horse and rider where is the horn that was blowing they have passed like rain on the mountain like wind in the meadow the days have gone mm-hmm. down in the west behind the hills of shadow how did it come to this <laughs> his his so much death what can men do against reckless hate and then Aragorn being like, ride out with me, ride out and meet them. And he's like, for death and glory. 
And everyone's like, no, no, for Rohan, for your people. <laughs> they did so quickly. It's like, for death and glory. Everyone's like, no, 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 let, let's save people. Like, let's do it for them. And then he's, the horn of the helm hammerhand shall sound in the deep one last time. Aragorn's constantly got to be like, hey, dude, we might actually survive this. Like, can you calm down? <laughs> There's still hope. There's still hope. I, I, great example. What would you have me do? Look at my men. Their courage hangs by a thread. If this be our end, then I would make it such an end as to be worthy of remembrance. He's like all about <laughs> like great last dance. The last ones I have are the Ents are going to war. It's likely we are going to our doom. The last march of the Ents. That's Tree Bird. Tree Tree <laughs> Tree Bird and Tree, tree Bird. bird. Uh, All right. The last best quote is boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Uh, when we're talking about taters, <laughs> that's the great part. Any funny parts, Tom? Give me your. Give me your. When you laugh the loudest, I'll tell you mine. My favorite part is when they are walking to Helm's Deep. And Gimli, they cut into Gimli talking about dwarf women. And he's like, because of the sound of their voices and the similar appearance, uh, some people think there are dwarf women. And <laughs> leads to the theory that we just spring out of holes in the ground. And you get Aragorn being, being like, it's because of their beards or whatever. I've, <laughs> I found that whole sequence funny. And then I think that leads to him falling off the horse. But that's, that's, the, that's the funniest moment I had in the whole thing. I like that. That was a very funny moment. I think that does remind me when I was doing some research for this pod, apparently they did actually have a lot of women um, as riders of Rohan because when they were filming in New Zealand, they just needed people that were good on horses. So they just put a bunch of beards on a lot of the women. Really? Kind of like hide them. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Well, the long hair makes Um, sense too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're absolutely covered in armor, so I think it was probably pretty easy to kind of pass off and hide, but that was an interesting little fact. I like, I think one of my favorite, more, not necessarily funny, but the way it's delivered is great when Legolas greets Aragorn after Aragorn seemingly gets saved by his horse. Um, the horse just kind of picks him up out of the river and takes him back to uh, Helm's Deep. But Legolas's like, reaction to him, he's not like, hey, so glad you're alive. Right. He's like, hey, man, you're late. You look terrible. <laughs> and you look terrible. Yeah, that's a great that's a great one. The last one I'll say is in the beginning of Helm's Deep where it's like doom and gloom. The orcs are like chanting and slamming their spears. And you get that one old archer accidentally loose and it gets the, the orc in the neck and the orc just falls flat on his face. I thought that was that was great fun. Great fun. Um, I do like with that that setup sequence too of them on the parapet or whatever, and you have Gimli just with like the top of his helmet slowly going over, yeah. and like Legolas kind of giving him crap, like "Hey, you yeah. want to get you a box or just tell you what's going on?" To tell you what's happening, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I think we hit most of these. Let's try it again, which was the CG of Legolas grabbing the horse and jumping on to this day. <laughs> like, go back and redo it. Uh, there are parts where the hobbits are riding on the Ents, and even my wife was like, that doesn't look good. I didn't get too into the weeds on that, but the last thing I would leave is, I don't need Galadriel's recap in the middle, but maybe people do. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a three-hour movie. In this day and age, when we're all on our phones half the time while watching a movie, maybe it is nice to get a recap, but this was done in 02. None of us were tweeting during movies, you know? While I was watching this, I had to think to myself, like, was this a movie that had an intermission? Did they, like, stop the movie and say, hey, go get some popcorn, go to the bathroom? But I don't think there's any modern movies that did that, but I could be wrong. 
I don't know. I mean, you can go to the bathroom while Gladriel's explaining the plot all over again. But maybe they just know how powerful she is as like a narrator, and they're like, let's use her as much as possible. I'm not against that. That's probably a fair point. She's got a great voice. The life lessons of this movie, Tom. Are there any life lessons that you would like to talk about other than Theoden really has a death wish, and death wishes (laughs) when you're the leader of a people are probably not the greatest go-to? Yeah, I mean, I think you'll probably touch on them more eloquently than I, but I love the idea of, like, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I always love that kind of concept because a lot of people think, like, listen, what what can I do as a single person or what, what impact am I going to make? But if we all just sit idly by while tyrants um, are who they are and are just evil, um, you know, good men need to be the ones that step up and, and take action. And I think right. we see it throughout this this film, so... Yeah, and you see it with like with like the Ents. The Ents are like, listen, we can mm-hmm. just live here peacefully, and then it's it takes the motivating factor of them to take them by the forest that has been cleared for them to rise to action before it's too late. Um, yeah, and what does Pippin do? I think a Pippin at one point is like, hey man, we're just Shire folk. We should just go back to the Sire. And like Mary's got to remind him, like, listen, there's not going to be a Shire left if right. we just sit here and do nothing. Right. Eventually, it yeah. The other things I thought of are like. Uh, and I touched on it a little bit, but like the definition of like what are deeds like that are considered valor, like what is considered mm-hmm. courage, and like if you look at um, Eowyn's idea, she's like she's probably grown up hearing stories of warriors. She's a shield maiden of of Rohan, like like using the sword and being a warrior the way to be uh, like remembered, but. Like, there has to be someone that is the cool-headed person that leads people to safety, that, like, um, does the day-to-day, that calms people, Mm -hmm. that, like, gives them direction. And that person can't always be the dude shouting about Red Dawn and death (laughs) at the front of the charge. Um, And so I think it's it's interesting, just that definition. And then I think the big one, which we'll... I'll read the whole quote, is... um, when Samwise is talking at the end about great stories and um, like, it's funny because like we use the term meta, um, which I don't think I would have known what that meant when this came out, but we're in the middle of an epic story and you have a character uh, where Samwise starts talking and he's like, it's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were, and sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. I know now folks in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. That there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. And so you you get, you know, these two characters in the middle, like the third book of a three-book series, they're in the middle. Uh, it's hump day for them, you know? And it's like, <laughs> they want to turn around. But just talking about, like, how often, I don't know, how often it's just perseverance and, like, moving in the right mm-hmm. direction and doing the right thing, even when it's hard or difficult, like, that's all it takes. And to your point, you brought up the quote about, you know, good men doing nothing. Like sometimes all it takes is, you know, someone to say something or 
to persevere um, and not take the easy, easy path. And I think that's what mm-hmm. uh, we see in this one. So, well, and again, I think that's what makes these movies so powerful. Is like, yeah, you could just watch it for what it is, like cool battles sequences and cool characters. But I mean, if you have read the original books or listened to them like I have, or take the time to digest these movies, there's so much to it that you can take a lot more away from it than just cool action sequences. So for those of you who have listened to us, I hope you've kind of taken a deeper understanding for these these shows or these movies, excuse me. Uh, and hopefully we'll get some of that with the Rings of Power kind of coming up because I know it's supposed to follow a lot of these different um, houses and kind of families that were pivotal to getting the rings and everything created. So I hope we get a lot more of this same kind of stuff as opposed to just battle sequences and action sequences. I want that, but I want this kind of stuff too. Sure. Because that's what makes good material stand out. Yeah, I think if they... And I gotta be honest, I'm assuming what comes out of that is from like the Silmarillion. And so the Silmarillion is like the history of Middle-earth prior to all these things. And um, so if they take it from Tolkien, that's what he did so well. It's like, once mm-hmm. again, he, he wrapped like um, the... Uh, things of of valor and courage and virtue uh, in these myths and he built a world around them so that you know you're engrossed in like the fantasy of it all but like in the bones of it is um, things we should all learn and and take to heart and uh, Mm -hmm. use as encouragement so I've enjoyed these rewatches I'm ready to watch The Return of the King I love a good Elvis movie, so this will be exciting. (laughs) And um, for those of you, if you have questions or comments as we come to the trilogy conclusion, you know, you guys are begging us to watch the Hobbit movies. Don't send an email to uh, teambingepodcast at gmail.com because I will not be watching the Hobbit movies. I will read the Hobbit the book, but I will not watch the movies. Um, But we appreciate you all joining us on this long long journey we're not going to turn back now we're going to go all the way to mount doom and then we're going to toss this podcast in the fire um although there'll probably be some hesitation and yeah anyways i've been julian (laughs) thanks again everybody i've been tom have a great evening or morning or afternoon whenever